to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and today our guest is George Abreu, and he has been investing in real estate for over 15 years now. He started in single family and small multifamily properties and wholesaled over 200 plus single family properties, fixed and flipped over 100 plus single family homes, developed several new construction projects over $20 million in ground up, and started to build a construction company bringing in over $12 million in revenue and growing. He is now an active and passive multifamily real estate investor and currently has over 1,876 doors with 421 under contract on the GP side and has over 2,400 doors on the LP side. He is the CEO of Elevate Commercial Investment Group and also owns a construction company, JNT Construction, that focuses on helping multifamily investors with their due diligence and full renovations. Thank you so much for being on the show today, George. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you so much. I would love to hear a little bit more about your background, if you can share, and um, a little bit about how you got into real estate. Yeah, so I'm originally from, from South Florida, and I live in, in Dallas. So back in, in South Florida, I went to college to get an electrical engineering degree. During that time period, I kind of realized that I didn't want to be an engineer, and what I really wanted to do was own my own business. But um started doing some research and looking up several different successful individuals. And a lot of it came back to real estate investing. So I started focusing a little more on that and, and seeing how I can get started with it. I got my real estate license and my mortgage broker license. Um, not that I needed any of that, but didn't really have direction. So I thought I did. And um, finally got a, a coach on single family real estate investing and started doing some deals enough to where at that time I had graduated and had a position in the engineering department of UPS and um, did enough deals consistently where I ended up quitting my W-2 and started doing uh, real estate investments full time. I really liked transforming the properties. We started doing a ton of fixing flips. And then to scale that, I decided to start my own construction company. We got burned a couple of times by contractors. And um, I knew that was an essential piece to really turn up the fix and flips. So that was about 11 years ago, the construction company. And it worked. You know, We started scaling and, and doing quite a bit of, of properties per year. Started doing some small multifamily and, and some rentals as well. But um, I hadn't really built a, a large rental portfolio. It was more of um, transactional and, and from one deal to the next. And about four years ago, it, it kind of hit me that, you know, I, I had made some good money along the way. And um, what I hadn't gained was really time. I didn't have passive income coming in and, and I didn't have that luxury. So at the same time, I was introduced to syndications, large multifamily properties. And I was actually doing some renovation work for a multifamily property. And that's how I found out about syndications because before that, I didn't, I didn't realize you could take down multifamily properties that way. And I fell in love with the concept and 
that's where I knew I wanted to go. So I started shifting everything over to multifamily and you know, I'm right about 2000 doors now and, and growing and excited for 2021. Absolutely. Wow. So you've had a lot of experience across different aspects in real estate. So as you were building up like a single family homes, you were able to, um, you know, quite a large portfolio in the single family homes. Um, how were you able to create some type of systems to, to manage all of that and to be able to, you know, uh, manage everything? And then were you managing it yourself or were, or were you hiring a property manager? Um, yeah, so I mean, in the beginning, I quickly realized that there's only so much I can do without systems and without a team. So started building a team and creating the systems, which is very tough when you have your business really cranking. But you know, I made it a priority. I started implementing things from EOS or the book Traction, which really helps, especially if you have different entities and, and companies to where you're really re- relying on your team and having them responsible for their KPIs and reporting them to you. So, uh, you know, I have some crucial meetings every week and, and that really allows me to keep a grasp on, on the different companies and what's going on. I mean, as far as property management goes, the single families and the, and the small multifamily, we, we were managing ourselves. We didn't bring in a third party. And it was probably one of the reasons I didn't enjoy it that much. <laughs> Once we did the, the large multifamilies, um, we either have third party on the properties or there's a couple where we have CoGP that has in-house property management and they, and they manage it. I got it. So I love asking this question because one of these questions, because um, you have fixed and flipped and you own your own construction company, but what was the most memorable deal or memorable thing that you've come across during that time? And it probably has to be the the first deal I did, you know, the first real estate investing deal I did, which was it was a wholesale. And um, I believe made uh, 20,000 on it and in a matter of a few days. So that really opened my eyes <laughs> to um, real estate investing. Wow. And so now that you've transitioned over to um, the multifamily, are you still, do you still hold any single family? Are you still doing the construction or are you solely focused on multifamily at this point? 100% focused on multifamily. Um, In the beginning, I was kind of doing both and I was spread a little too thin and and I realized that. So we no longer invest in single family and we no longer, on the construction company, we no longer do any uh, single family renovations or or new builds. We did quite a bit of, of new builds as well. And now we're just doing multifamily new builds or yeah. So it's mainly all around multifamily. Oh, great. Can you talk a little bit about the multifamily new build and what kind of goes into that? Yeah. I mean, quite a bit of completely different from your existing and you know the business plan that goes into that on a new development project. You know, if you're starting with raw land, there's a lot of different phases, a lot of different exits. You know, if it's not zoned for the purpose you want it to be zoned for, you kind of need to start there. You need to make sure that it's buildable for what you want and that the city's actually going to approve what you want to put on there. And then um, a lot of different studies to, to know what you're getting into, you know, from market studies to tree surveys to soil tests. So a lot is done on 
before you even touch the land, there's a lot done on the front end. And then on the exit side, I mean, there's so many different ways to exit out of a land deal. You know, it can be as simple as just getting some approvals and not doing any work and flipping that to someone else to just doing the horizontal development side of it and then flipping it over to somebody else to finish it or starting the vertical and then giving it to somebody else to, to finish or, you know, taking it all the way to the end and actually the lease up. Um, so I really like all the different exit strategies within land, but I also like the cash flow that comes with the existing. So I like having a good mixture of, of both. And so how long does it typically take for um, the new build to happen, like from like a start to finish? What kind of time frame does that look like? There's a lot of different variables that go into determining that, um, depending on what phase you're at with the land itself. And then obviously how big the project is. But you know, I can give you an example of a 208 unit multifamily one to do the horizontal and vertical it took us somewhere between 18 to 24 months to, to be done with it. I see. And then you talked a little bit about the exit strategies for um, a new build and the, the land. Can you talk a little bit about what are the different exit strategies that you've come across? Um, we've got one right now that we're doing the lease up and, and the plan is to get it stabilized and then then exit. Then we've got one where we're literally just going to do the horizontal development. So we're going to put in the utilities and the roads. And then we've got um, a builder that, that wants to go ahead and take it from there. That one's going to be single family lots. So it's a little different. We're not, um, we're not really interested in taking it all the way because, like I said, I, I like to focus on, on multifamily. But it was still a good opportunity for, for the development side. So... We're going to leave it ready to build for a single family builder and kind of turn it over to them. Got it. As you were going and doing the transition to multifamily, what was one of the biggest things that you noticed was the biggest difference from investing in single family versus multifamily? I think the biggest thing is, is, is multifamily is very uh, team oriented. There's uh, so many moving parts, so many different uh, functions to to get a deal done that it really takes a team in single family, you know, you could be a one man show and you can build quite a bit with a one man show. Um, but in, in multifamily, I think it's, it's completely different. It's a lot about relationships, which also in single family, not, not so much. I think those, those are the two biggest things, you know, having a good team and, and really building relationships. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. And for your team, how are you able to build up your team to be able to scale to where you are today? And what are the things that you look for um, in creating a strong team? Um, so, you know, one is 
having the vision, I think, is, is the first thing. And then being able to relay that vision to the team as we build it. Um, and then putting in systems and procedures as we grow. And then finding the right individuals to kind of fill the seats and try to do it uh, more organically than, than kind of than pushing it and, uh, you know, hiring more than you really need at, at the given time and um, letting the company grow organically as, as you move along. And also, what are you looking for in like your different types of acquisitions? Like, do you have a certain specific criteria that you're focusing on? Um, we did and we still do, but it's changed a little bit. You know, with the construction company, our real sweet spot and, and what we like to do are, are heavy lifts. We were very confident um, in what we can do and, and estimating what it's going to take, no matter how ugly the property is right now, how, how bad the deferred maintenance is. So that is definitely our strong point. When COVID came into the picture, we kind of shifted a little bit on our criteria and, and started looking more stabilized deals, mainly because the financing was um, difficult on your heavy lifts. Since then, it's the bridge loans are starting to come come back. So we are looking at some some heavier lifts now. And so right now you're focusing on more of the GP side or are you still um, uh, looking to invest more on the uh, limited partner side as well? Are you doing both? Doing both. You know, I, I invest in my own deals on the GP side, which technically that becomes, I guess, not really passive since I'm in that deal. But I also invest in other deals that I, I am not on the GP side, like purely passive. You know, some people ask why I do that. And um you know, I one I, I like to see how other teams are are handling their investor relations and just their deals in general. I did that in the beginning, and I still enjoy doing that. Um, I also think it helps with building relationships. You know, if, if there's a syndication team that I I want to possibly work with in, in the future as a co GP, um, and I think they're doing a great job, then you know, an easy way to start that relationship is to go ahead and invest passively in, in one of their deals. So. As you're deciding which deals you want to invest in um, and which with which sponsors, what are the types of things that you're looking for before you go ahead and do that? And like you want to partner with them? You know, I want to, first things first is, is the team. I want to know their, their track record. I want to know them in general, you know, them make sure morals are aligned and that there's synergy there. Um and then as far as the deal, I really want to, I really focus on, on the business plan and if doable and, and if it makes sense, I may go a little more detailed than, than some passive investors do, but um, on the CapEx, you know, having the, the construction background, I really want to understand what's happening in, in the CapEx side of it, who's going to manage it, you know, because if there's a, they do a poor job renovating it, it's going to be hard to meet the business plan. So um I focus a lot on that, just doing my own market study and location is always huge. You know, does, is it a good location? Is the economy driven by def- different industries and not just heavily on one industry? Um, and yeah, I mean, if, if I check off all those boxes, then I'm good to go. And because you have a really strong construction background, one of the things that you mentioned was um, you take a look at the capital expenditures within the deal. And so what is a typical um, expectation for you for them to, for um, someone to cover the capital expenditures? Like, what are you looking for? 
effort to kind of to match more than anything to match with the business plan. So, you know, if, if the business plan is that the property we're acquiring is um, in really good shape and there's not a lot of deferred maintenance and we just, we're going to take the upgrades to kind of like the next level, then I want to see that that matches with the CapEx. If I look at the CapEx and they're putting a bunch of money towards deferred maintenance and not in upgrades, then something's not right. You know, your, your business plan isn't making sense with your actual CapEx scope of work. Um, and then, you know, vice versa. If they're saying that it's a, a heavy lift and, and there's a lot of deferred maintenance, but then I look at the CapEx and, and most of it's going towards upgrades, then yeah, there needs to be, needs to make sense. You know, if, if they're going after major rent bumps, then I want to see a good portion of the units being upgraded and being upgraded at a at a reasonable price per door that that can get them you know two hundred dollar rent bumps. So with the capital expenditures, um, is there kind of like a rule of thumb for a dollar amount or percentage amount that would be a conservative amount? Uh, there's a lot of different you know factors there with with the class of property um, and then what's trying to be accomplished. You know, I would say as far as interior upgrades. If somebody's saying they've got a classic unit and they're wanting to do a nice upgrade, which I've seen this before, you know, and then, and then they're putting $3,500 per unit. No, that doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, th- appliances alone are, are $1,500. So that's, you're saying you're putting $2,000. Add the flooring, that's another at least $1,000. You know, you're only left with another $1,000 to replace all the lighting, plumbing fixtures, um, countertops, and paint. So, yeah, as far as a rule of thumb, I, I don't know. Um, you know, a full upgrade is, is going to be somewhere between five and 8000 That makes sense. And so now with now focusing on your multifamily and um, what has been the biggest challenge for you as you've been growing your portfolio? Biggest challenge, um, you know, taking this pandemic aside, <laughs> it would be more of just, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of what, has really, we've done a really good job of growing the team. And I would say maybe the thing we're focusing a lot on right now is, is the equity raising part of it and just having some really good systems in place there. Um, we've got some big goals and to get to those, we're going to need equity behind us. Um, not that we don't, we're just going to need more. <laughs> so I would say just working on those systems and really making that as um not the whole process automated, but the the tedious parts of it automated. Got it. And so we're coming into 2021 now. And what is your focus for the upcoming year and beyond? Um, focus is, you know, continuing to, to build our portfolio and, and continuing to grow our team. And um, we spent a lot of time focusing on our acquisitions and our, our systems for that. So we feel very confident in our ability to build up a good um, pipeline of, of deals. Like I said, right now, we're now really focused on the equity raising part of it. And then very excited about 2021. I think we're going to have a great year. It's going to be with the economy, hopefully at some point opening back up 100%. Um, you know, we really still a lot of unknowns, but um, I believe it's getting a little clearer how things are going to be. You know, one thing this pandemic has shown is that multifamily is definitely one of the 
when it comes into the, the real estate, different real estate sectors that um, multifamily is one of the most uh, resilient ones. You know, people are always going to need somewhere to live and it's obviously a priority for them to, to pay for that. <laughs> And so with the pandemic and everything like that that's going on, has your like investment strategy changed at all um, since the beginning, since we started this? Yeah, um, you know, a lot of our our underwriting has changed, even the type of deals that, that we've been going after, more cash flow heavy, you know, we're really looking for the deals that, that cash flow from day one, more than anything. Um, and then just uh, different... Uh, criteria in our underwriting, we're pretty much sharpening the pencil on every single line item within our underwriting and, you know, throwing out all the rule of thumbs. Um, Yeah. Just making sure that we're being extra, extra conservative, putting some extra reserves in there. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much for sharing. And so George, how has real estate investing impacted your life so far? Um, I mean, it's, it's been huge. It's allowed me to to have uh, more flexibility with my time, which is to me one of the most important things. Um, so that I have time to be with my family. That's my why. I've got three daughters and my wife, and um, you know I want to make sure that I'm there for them, especially that I can any important events they have, anything of that nature. I want to make sure that I'm there and I'm experience experiencing that with them. Um, and real estate has given me that flexibility to be able to do that. And so George, what is one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? It's tough to answer this one differently. (laughs) You know, uh, multifamily and syndications. And, um, I spent a lot of time on, on single family. I sure did learn a lot, but at the same time, I don't think it would have hurt to, start doing some of these multifamily deals soon. And what is one thing that sets the successful people apart in the real estate investing business? Um, hmm. I think being intentional about what you're doing and, and really having that vision and um, being able to build it as a business versus just, you know, a solo entrepreneur. I think that makes a, a huge difference. You know, some, some, and it kind of, I guess it goes back to, to the vision and, and what your goal is. You know, some, some individuals just want to take it as big as themselves. Like they don't want to have a big business and all these employees, but, um, you know, I do. So I think the vision, setting those goals, being intentional with everything you do sets you apart from ones that are kind of just getting things done, but um, making kind of a mess as they do it. Absolutely. I agree with that too. You know, especially in the multifamily syndication business, it's a very team, a very much a team sport and you don't really want to be like what you said, a solo, solo opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) I can't say that word. Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) And so George, what tools or techniques have you used to improve the efficiency of your business or your personal life? Um, I use a lot of uh, software to automate a lot of the systems that we have. I like to think that I'm pretty tech savvy and, um, you know, there's time. I know I've said time a lot, but there's only so much time in in a day. Uh, I think anything that you can automate really helps you focus your time on more important things in the business. 
And so, George, if our listeners wanted to find out more about you and what you do, where can they go? Uh, they can find a lot of information on our website, which is Elevate CIG, stands for Commercial Investment Group. So, elevatecig.com. If they want to shoot me an email, they can do that too, which is George or Jorge, J O R G E, at elevatecig.com. Um, I've got several checklists and forms I can send them. Some of the things we went over, like uh, questions to ask a deal sponsor, I've got, I think it's like three pages long of, of questions to ask and um, due diligence checklists and, and more stuff I can send them. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners are going to really appreciate all those valuable resources as well. So we'll make sure that those are captured in the show notes for you. Awesome. And thank you so much for joining us today, George. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.